Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man, where we like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Coming at you super not live, as always. The funny part about this recording is I'm actually a stone's throw away from Chicago, where this movie is taking place. (laughs) Yeah, and we will be continuing our journey through Ferris Bueller's and his day off. Last we left our heroes, they were just showed up on national television during the Cubs versus whoever game. (laughs) (laughs) They were at Wrigley Field watching the Cubs game. Yeah, after the pizzeria guy, cook, chef, I don't know what to call him, (laughs) owner. (laughs) He's credited as Pizza Man. Pizza Man told Mr. Rooney that the Bears were winning. For those of you in the audience who don't don't know why that might be funny, the Chicago Bears are the football team. <laughs> and the Chicago Cubs are the baseball team. But the Cubs are technically a bear. Yeah, because it's a cub. <laughs> right. <laughs> now we go into this scene. Now we're at Wrigley Field with Ferris and the gang. You can just tell they're horsing around. This is one of the few scenes where you can see Cameron actually enjoying himself. He's heckling the batter, going, hey, batter, hey, batter, hey, batter. So he heckles the batter, right? And he does all like the normal heckling. But then he yells out Kennedy. Like several times. Like, what's that about? See, that one I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) My guess is that maybe somewhere at some point, you know, someone yelled, hey, look, there's a Kennedy and a batter looked. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. As they're, you know, standing there heckling and whatnot, Ferris goes, do you realize if we played by the rules, we'd be in gym right now? And they both chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) So we flash back to the high school and there's obviously a gym class going on. A bunch of boys, you know, running around the track and field and the coach, you know, in his golf cart, you know, egging them on. (laughs) Which is such like a spectacular scene for like high school coaches, right? Right. (laughs) You got a bunch of guys running, the kids are running, but the coach is in a golf cart. (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna be worthless hurry it up (laughs) yeah just saying come on run faster (laughs) that's seven pounds of hamburger i had at lunch is starting to come back (laughs) just drive a little slower (laughs) (laughs) so as we see that we see genie pull up on her car watching the guys running going and then she just looks and then you see her look away and go I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> a continuation of Genie's story. Yeah, it was the five seconds of seeing Genie, because now right. the scene changes again. So this is getting very George, George Lucas esque. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're back to the, the Ed Rooney scene. He's pulling up on the curb. And what's funny about this scene is like, I don't know how dumb you have to be to intentionally and blatantly park in front of a, a fire hydrant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny because I don't remember ever noticing that when I saw this movie earlier in life. But that's literally the first thing I saw and said when he parked. I was like, you're in front of a fire hydrant, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Obvious direct foreshadowing that he is going to get towed. <laughs> right. And on top of the fact that it's like he parked like a half a block away as if he was trying to sneak up on the house. It's like, dude, you're already off the reservation here. Just pull up into the driveway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the fact that you're there at all is what's going to make it weird. Not your car in their driveway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I was just taking a random walk during my workday. 
in your neighborhood, which is nowhere near the school. And <laughs> I figured I'd stop by and see how Paris was. <laughs> Wait. Or, you know, the fact that, like, did he really think the parents were going to walk up to him and go, you what outrages me that makes me mad most of all is that you parked in my driveway. Yeah. Not that you walked away from your job to come spy on my kid mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and just show up at my house <laughs> unannounced. <laughs> yeah. Now that we've had that tangent. <laughs> so we enter what I like to refer to as the Home Alone sequence <laughs> of this movie. Obviously, Home Alone came much later, but I, I have a feeling there may have been some inspiration that came out of this movie for Home Alone. Because <laughs> it's basically just Ed Rooney trying to get into the house and then finally making it into the house. But like just just taking it on the nose the whole dang time. <laughs> so Ed Rooney walks up to the front door. Pretty normal. Rings the doorbell, and then we see this elaborate electrical setup <laughs> go into effect here of a recording. This is yet, you know, and yet another how far is Ferris willing to go to make this day happen kind of a thing, you know, pretty far. But kind of on top of that, we never get, we never see this setup get taken down, right? Mm-hmm. Like later in the movie, he comes in and he takes some of the other stuff down, but like this piece never goes away. So I'm like, how did this end up getting resolved? Or is like for another day and a half, like people just ring the doorbell. Well, he just wired it to his room. Yeah. This was an old system that I, I've only seen in, in a few places in real life, but it's where you could answer the door bell from anywhere in the house mm-hmm. and, and straight talk, you know, push button to talk kind of thing with whoever's up there. It was an intercom system. A lot of houses had them. In the 80s. Right. Or in the 70s, I want to say. Houses that were built in the 70s into the 80s had these intercom systems. We had one in our house growing up. We didn't use it, like, ever. (laughs) Well, that's the funny part. It was like, nobody really used them. They had them. It was just, like, something, I guess, you could say, yeah, Mm -hmm. I got money because I put this system into my house. I don't ever use it. Right. In a lot of ways, I think it was supposed to be kind of, like, because the main, the central one we had in the central part of the house had a radio attached to it. Mm-hmm. And I think you could set it up so the radio would play throughout the house. And so that was kind of, I think, one of the selling points. It was sort of like this the early version of having homes, you know, all around the house speakers. Right. It re- rings the doorbell and a recording comes on. I'm sorry, I can't come to the door right now in my weakened condition. <laughs> I could take a spill or fall downstairs, but thanks for your concern for me and have a nice day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember, does Rooney, does he try and talk back? Hit this section oh, yeah. Okay. He thinks he's really there. He's like, Dead Rooney, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm not buying it. Get down here. And then the recording goes on. You know, you can reach my parents at the place of business. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. I appreciate your concern. And Rooney's like, I'm not going anywhere until you come down. And the recording just keeps going on. And Ed Rooney still hasn't quite figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like the pauses in the recording and everything, it's set up very well. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's like one of those trick answering machine messages where you call and you think think you're talking to the person and then it turns out you're not <laughs> so it's at this point that everybody is just like loses it starts knocking on the door ring the doorbell again the message starts playing again neighborhood dogs are going crazy that's when he figures it out right <laughs> he's like wait a minute <laughs> The same message is playing again. (laughs) He's like looking at the house. He's looking at how to break into the house so he can catch this kid. Gone from being an educator (laughs) who runs what I assume would be a pretty tight ship in the school to being a man who is now attempting to commit effectively a felony. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least a misdemeanor (laughs) breaking and entering. Yeah. (laughs) 
in order to catch this kid. Kind of points to the concept that maybe these two have a past relationship we're just not aware of. (laughs) (laughs) So he walks around to the side of the house. He's like looking through the windows, trying to figure out if he could see Ferris Bueller. And he's standing on these two pipes. I don't know why he thought that was such a brilliant idea (laughs) and falls into mud. And of course, what happens when you stick your nice, well-dressed shoe into the like ankle deep into the mud? You lose the shoe. Pull your foot out of the shoe and the the shoe does not come with you. (laughs) Now he's trying to not get his nice dress socks all muddied up. (laughs) This is what we call the series of unfortunate events start to happen. So he loses the shoe to the mud. Then he puts his foot back into the mud. So now he's got mud all over his sock, which is essentially just his foot and some of his pants. And as he's trying to regain control and try to step back onto the pipes, he actually turns on the sprinklers. Now he's getting hosed by the sprinkler. It's home alone without having, without needing a kid there to plan any of this. <laughs> and Rooney's gone from being a just a jackass to now being a bumbling idiot. <laughs> as if these weren't signs by the universe that, you know, you might want to just get back in your car and go home, buddy. Yeah, maybe call this off. <laughs> you walk away. I don't know. <laughs> nope, he keeps fumbling and bumbling. And <laughs> we take a step back from Ed Rooney and we see the shot of the Chicago city from down the ways of the street, uh, this road. It looks like it's an industrial area that runs along railroad track and you just go straight into the city and the music kicks in. And what is it? It is the opening theme. <laughs> To Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and what happens? You see this car, and at first you don't know what car it is, but you see this car just jumping all overhead. And then what do you see? The two guys from the garage with bright smiles on their face, and you realize they have just put the Ferrari airborne and are just tearing through the city. They're having one heck of a time. <laughs> so you get to see the kind of fun that they're having with this car going hey hey audience guess what there's gonna be more interesting stuff coming up ahead yes <laughs> <laughs> it's like cameron was having fun let's see how that plays out later <laughs> now we do george lucas jumping in back to ed rooney who's sitting on the back stoop putting his shoe back on and uh, He's looking around, looking around, and what does he do? He's like, hey, there's a dog door here. Maybe, yep, the dog door is open. Maybe I should stick my head in. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should stick my head inside the dog door and try to break into this house this way. Yeah, you gotta get in through the dog door. Because that's never occurred to a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> so why do people have dog doors? Because they have, wait for it. A dog. A dog. <laughs> oh no, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> By the size of the dog door, it's probably pretty obvious that this is a big dog. <laughs> so he sticks his head in, it's the kitchen, and what should come from around the kitchen island? A nasty looking Rottweiler. <laughs> yep, the traditional dog that messes with whoever's breaking in the house for Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this does not look like a dog that I would think would be out of the pound. <laughs> This doesn't look like a dog you'd have in your house. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. <laughs> it's pretty terrifying looking, really. Yeah. The word devil dog comes to mind. Kind of like, why does the family have this thing? <laughs> so, of course, the dog sees him, starts sna- snarling at him. And, of course, Ed Rooney is like, oh, I could totally talk my way out of this. <laughs> yes. I, lo- I love that. It's like, oh, I'll just talk my way out of it. Really? <laughs> Really? <laughs> Making dog noises like, no, stay. Good boy. 
Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, Ed. You're about to get. <laughs> so the dog chases him in the backyard, and then we see a scene where it's in front of a window, and you got some bushes in front, and you just see Ed Rooney running back and forth, the dog barking, him going, sit, stay. And Ed Rooney going, Ed, sit, stay. Down, boy. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's being chased by the dog. That's a throwback to a typical comedy trope where you have the guy running uh-huh. back and forth and the Benny Hill music playing. Although, you know, they didn't do the Benny Hill music. But that would have been hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's really the one miss <laughs> of this of this movie is they didn't play Benny Hill music with him running back and forth being chased by the dog. So that's the only thing I gotta I gotta bring up on that. But otherwise, I'm good. <laughs> so everybody being chased back and forth, and now we George Lucas jump again <laughs> back to the city of Chicago mm-hmm. in front of the Art Institute Museum. Ferris and the gang walk up to the museum. And this is, again, one of those very iconic scenes. This this whole scene feels like it was, like, planned and designed by the Chicago Tourist Bureau. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, the whole movie is kind of that way, or at least the portion of the movie that is Ferris Bueller's adventure and not the other side stories going on. But this, in particular, is just, like, so egregiously, like, <laughs> our art museum is amazing and you should come here. <laughs> right. You see a class of small children, elementary school children, and Ferris and the gang are just casually holding hands with the kids going through with them. Yeah. This is one of those, oh, in the 1980s, this was a okay because bad things really didn't happen yeah today you couldn't get away with it be like why who are you why are you near these small children yeah why are you touching these children i have to chop your hands off now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they, they go through the museum showing different pieces of art and also this would never happen today because of like copyrights and money issues you know like oh this is someone's painting and you didn't pay to see this oh yeah 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 there'd be a lot of permissions that people would have to get yeah honestly what would happen in real life for the for most movie makers is they would make a fake mock-up of the art institute and just get forgeries <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or copies you know because mm-hmm. i guess they're not for you know they're not trying to pass them off as real that way they could avoid the um the licensing issues. So as they're showing pieces of art at one point, you got in order of distance from closest to furthest, Ferris's gang posing. Ferris in the front, Sloan in the middle, Cameron in the back. Just posing, looking like snooty, you know, art lookers, you know, <laughs> each one of them taking a look at each painting. Yeah, snooty and- art lookers, those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Get a day job. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems appropriate when we're talking about kids skipping school. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why don't you be productive members of society or something? Yeah. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> then we get the start of another part of the scene where it'll focus on Cameron a bit. Cameron and stepping in front of this painting and the name of the painting is called Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande Yate. Yeah. And this is a um, world-renowned painting in the art form of pointillism. Mm-hmm. The painting style of pointillism is you, you basically a whole bunch of little dots of various colors and up close it looks like a bunch of dots but when you back away it looks like a painting, like it looks like something. This was an art style that came into vogue. I can't remember when it came into vogue. I don't want to say 17 somewhere in there. <laughs> that point was made in a movie. It, was that movie Blank Check with Ted Danson? 
You know, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen Blank Check. It's like Ted Danson and this kid, and Ted Danson's a con artist and whatnot. But I remember exactly what you're saying because, like, I remember the scene where the guy basically said just what you said. What do you see? A bunch of dots. So, okay, now close your eyes again and he pulls them away and goes, now what do you see? See? Just a bunch of dots. <laughs> yeah. Or pointillism is a term came from the 1880s, but that's about the time frame where it became big. And if you go search pointillism or whatever, the very first painting you're going to see is the Sunday afternoon. And that's because it's widely known ones. It's a good painting. I mean, flat out. <laughs> yeah. It's a very good, good version of the technique. So we get the quick setup for that. And then we switch to a scene where it's obviously a romantic scene with Ferris and Sloan in front of, it almost looks like stained glass. I don't know if it's actually stained glass. Yeah, I thought this was a kind of an interesting setup for them. It's almost like a callback to Romeo and Juliet there's a conversation that Romeo and Juliet have where they talk about praying and what they're really talking about is kissing each other mm. but they're using the language of like hands touching and, and stuff and talking about prayer in order to hide the fact that they're talking about kissing <laughs> that's what this called back to me because you know they're they're in this church like setting with the stained glass and everything and then they make out <laughs> right and then we flash back over to Cameron Cameron does this back and forth where it looks at the painting looks at Cameron's face and then each time it flips back and forth it gets closer to both subjects mm -hmm. closer to the painting closer to Cameron back and forth back and forth till the point where you're looking at Cameron's pupil and then you're looking at the dots on the painting just more and more and more specifically the the portion of the painting gets closer to is the little girl that's holding her mother's hand almost in the center of the painting. The little girl is slightly off center and the mother is in, in pretty much the center of the painting. And you get closer and closer and closer to this little girl. I can't remember, does it zoom in on the hands or does it zoom in on the girl? On the girl, on the face. So you, you get this this sort of listful, longing feeling about this. Like Cameron is is sort of identifying with this child. Just the fact that the child... Looks like it's crying mm -hmm. that's part of the problem like with pointillism is like when you go in for those kind of details it's like um maybe yeah <laughs> but it, either way if the child is crying it's being comforted by its mother which i mean in particular when you're talking with cameron who I'm assuming he would like to be comforted by his parents, and he doesn't, and that's his big crux with his parents. Right. You kind of get, between these two scenes, between uh, Ferris and Sloan and Cameron in this painting, you get kind of a dive into the, the two important relationships of following these three characters, the Ferris-Sloan relationship and the Cameron and his parents. And, and obviously the Ferris-Sloan one is very shallow, <laughs> you know. There's, there's not a whole lot to this going on. Whereas with Cameron, you have kind of this deep longing for his parents parents for uh, what he would view as like a normal relationship that he doesn't feel he has right causing him some kind of emotional turmoil so here's the funny part with john hughes john hughes usually has one or two deep moments that are completely surrounded by comedy <laughs> And this was one of those. Now, there isn't any sort of story resolution here. Like, nothing gets resolved. It's just making sure you know that, hey, in the midst of all this fun stuff, there's serious stuff. Mm -hmm. So then after it closes in to the closest as it can get to the painting, we're automatically taken outside to a parade. You see sailors on parade. <laughs> 
<laughs> what it looks like is just a parade. It looks like it's a German Day parade kind of thing. The parade in this movie is the Baron von Steuben parade. And what's interesting about it is that parade takes place in September, even though the story takes place in the spring, obviously, because they're about to graduate. Yep. Yeah, this scene starts as like a normal kind of parade, you know, scene you'd get in most movies with the typical floats and one down. But then it spins rapidly out of control <laughs> in a belief kind of a way. <laughs> this is the other part of the movie where I really have to jam the I believe button really hard. <laughs> we see this parade start and then we go inside of a taxi cab with our gang, with Ferris and the gang. And Cameron's like, it's getting pretty late. We better get back to the car. And Ferris is like, but we have until six. And, and this is where, again, we got this conversation about the balance of relationship between Ferris and, and Cameron. Cameron is just like, well, you don't care. It's not your ass if you get in trouble. And Ferris is like, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and he tries to justify everything by saying, but look at all the cool stuff we did today. Not that he cares. I mean, he doesn't try to argue that he cares. He's arguing that we did all this cool stuff stuff today <laughs> yeah if we had just gone along with the rules we would be in school right now and that would be lame or just hanging out at home when we're sick but instead we've made a real day of this and this has been a lot of fun <laughs> and it is a good hook into cameron because he did in fact was shown in fact having fun <laughs> as ferris is trying to explain to him like all the stuff that they did and had fun cameron you can see just gets tight lip like his face freezes like he can't talk and he starts looking at ferris and looking off to the side looking at first looking off the side trying to send that quiet signal of look over there <laughs> and ferris is like what and then they look out to the window on the other side of ferris bueller and in the car next to him in the cab next to their cab is ferris bueller's father yeah. <laughs> reading a newspaper what are the odds you got first the, the the lunch and now literally the cab stuck in traffic next to me <laughs> the, the better part is, is Ferris Bueller physically turns and looks and sees his dad. Camera pans. Ferris Bueller's dad turns and looks, looks right back at Ferris Bueller and then looks back at his newspaper and then does a double take. <laughs> when he comes back for the second take, Ferris Bueller's no longer in the seat. Sloan is in the seat wearing sunglasses because, you know, that's enough to disguise. Yeah, that's the right, disguise. disguise <laughs> a dad from seeing his son's girlfriend, you know, and not recognizing her. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's obvious that. Dad, his dad's like, wait, I could have sworn I just saw my son. <laughs> and yeah. you see uh, Ferris and Cameron laying on the floor of the cab. Ferris is frantically rubbing the rabbit's foot because all of a sudden it's no longer fun and games. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden his mojo is all for nine. <laughs> <laughs> he's about to get his ass yeah you know he passes the foot to cameron cameron's rubbing it real really fast <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to this awkward scene of where ferris's dad is checking out sloan and she's like eye flirting with him <laughs> yeah i was like what's going on here <laughs> was this was this necessary <laughs> and ferris is like what is he doing and she's messing with him going he's licking the glass and making obscene gestures <laughs> that's right that's right i remember that yep which is perfect doesn't he like almost jump up <laughs> no he doesn't do anything he's just looking at it like was this really happening <laughs> and then of course all of a sudden sloan is thrashing around laughing like crazy because ferris is like tackling her and yeah. <laughs> dad goes back to reading the paper 
And as he lifts up the paper, you see on the front page, in a small section on the bottom of the front page, community rallies around sick youth. Yes. <laughs> yes, I love that. Because it's such – it's like this it, – you you almost wouldn't see it except the paper's on just long enough for you to go, wait a minute. <laughs> which, which is also impressive considering this sickness thing has only been – in play since this morning and so they've they've apparently got it into the afternoon edition of the paper <laughs> to let our viewers know <laughs> how this used to work with newspapers you had a morning edition and then a lot of times you had an afternoon edition with updated news because news didn't travel at the speed of light like it does today you can tell the father's gotten the afternoon edition to read on his way home <laughs> and, and somehow Ferris Bueller's story has made it into the paper. <laughs> That's what you as the audience are, are supposed to believe and see and whatnot. But it's an actual paper. So if you zoom in on it, like you got your tablet like I do, you could actually read the article and what it's actually about. Oh, wow. So we close out that scene, zooming in and focused on that news article. And then we George Lucas leap over to what we see is a hole in a green door. And of course, what do we see is an eyeball looking through that hole. It's Ed Rooney. The eye goes big. And then you look from the other side of the hole and the dog's eating his shoe. <laughs> Everybody starts peeking his head over the fence, and the dog's like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, but I want my shoe. <laughs> and then we leap back in downtown Chicago, and the parade's going by, and we see Cameron holding hands with Sloan, and there's no Ferris. And we don't know where Ferris is. And Cameron starts going off. Oh, he doesn't care. He ditched us. And Sloan's like, no, of course he didn't ditch us. Cameron said he probably went back to school. Sloan's like trying to convince him that, you know, he wouldn't do that. Cameron, of course, is like, well, of course he would. He'd make me sweat. <laughs> so this is, I'm assuming, where your I believe button comes in. Yes. When they're trying to find him and all of a sudden they see him on the float. <laughs> you hear him before you see him. He says, you're such a wonderful crowd. We'd like to play a tune for you. <laughs> And he's like, I'm going to dedicate it to a young man who doesn't think he's seen anything good today. <laughs> and then there's Ferris standing on the float, surrounded by women wearing lederhosen. <laughs> yeah. Singing Donkashang. <laughs> Which is like, okay, okay, fine. I'll believe that one. <laughs> that one. It's the next song where it's like, all right, I'm pushing the button. <laughs> you know, everyone on the float's going with it. And then you've got the parade overseers you know, like going... Who is this? What is he doing up there? Of course, nobody's still stopping him. Yeah. Everybody just goes <laughs> along with it. <laughs> Nobody is like, yeah, wait, wait. <laughs> like hard, hard pushing of the of the I believe button on this one, because, you know, if, if you try to take over a parade in the speaker system on said parade, not to mention speaker systems don't really work like that. <laughs> I've got to push the I believe button because it, it just doesn't happen. However, it is like this is the super stereotypical 80s part of a movie where everybody is singing and dancing in the street. <laughs> so in the midst of, of the Dongashing song, you see Cameron and Sloan walking through the big square. This is like apparently a famous square because you see it a lot in movies that take place in Chicago. Cameron is talking with Sloan about how everything works out for Ferris. There's nothing he can't handle, and he, Cameron, can't handle anything that he doesn't know what he's going to do after high school. Yeah, you kind of get the, you know, Cameron really doesn't know what he wants to do, and Sloan has another year, right? Right. Because she's only a junior. Right, and then, you know, you know, Cameron calls Ferris crazy and whatnot, and it's kind of a moment where he... In some ways, he just lets out a lot of exasperations and then just drops it and then see him just kind of forget about it for just a little bit. 
then we roll into the second song twist and shout twist and shout by backstage beatles i don't know how you you know don Shane, okay fine maybe that was on the playlist but how you get them to play twist and shout <laughs> after you've taken over their <laughs> their speaker system in the parade beyond me okay fine <laughs> but it's fun it's a lot of fun they blend a couple of different feels to it kind of like animal house meets um blues brothers yeah which blues brothers makes a whole lot of sense since it took place in chicago. chicago yeah so yeah there's a lot of uh interesting tidbits about this scene there's a dance sequence of a bunch of people on some stairs right mm-hmm. they just sort of come out of nowhere and start dancing and you're like what the hell is going on like where did these people come from apparently this was taken directly from michael jackson's thriller video really (laughs) and it was just kind of shoehorned in there because they were like we need more people dancing (laughs) oh okay now i see it yeah well like the the one guy flipping in the background like like he does like a standing backflip thing in the air now that you mention it now i see it yeah (laughs) yeah i know right (laughs) you're like wait a minute so, and apparently a bunch of the other people dancing are not actual actors or extras. They're just people who were downtown in Chicago while this was being filmed. And they started dancing to the music. And John Hughes just said, okay, we'll film them too. We'll put them in the movie. <laughs> so it was a full community effort to make this, this shot. <laughs> so as we get towards the end of the scene, you see Ferris's dad in his office, hearing the commotion going on down below him. And he sees the parade from Mont Hine. Can't see that it's sun, but of course, you know, he's dancing in his office all by himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such an 80s scene. <laughs> Painted all over it. <laughs> 80s. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So this goes on for a couple of minutes. And of course, you know, Ferris Bueller is like the champion of the parade. (laughs) Yeah, he's now like the leader of the parade. (laughs) He even gets the scepter. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) He somehow gets the scepter. Everybody's just sort of dancing around him. (laughs) So then we switch back to Ferris's house where you see a delivery man in front going back to his car, the flower delivery guy, mm-hmm. Louie Anderson. Hmm, that's random. You see Ed Rooney standing on the porch holding the flowers that are obviously being delivered for Ferris's get well. And he looks at the note, all our best for a speedy recovery, the English department faculty and staff. <laughs> You're like, yep, yep, this snowball is still rolling downhill. <laughs> you see that Ed Rooney is like, he's covered in dirt. He just looks crazed at this point. Yeah. And so, just to show his character, the flower delivery guy honks his horn before leaving, and Ed Rooney flips him the bird. Yeah. It's just like, really, Ed? Really? Classy. He did not stay classy. (laughs) Oh, and then he gets better. So now that he, what does he do? He's like, oh, I got this potted flower. It's a heavy pot. So he takes it around the house and goes, here, Dougie, 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 look look at what Uncle Ed has. And he calls him a little F word. (laughs) Yes. I remember the the F bomb getting dropped and be like, oh, here it is. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) And the home aloneness continues. Now, what is he trying to do here with the, is he going to crush the dog with the potted plant? What, what, I mean, are you going to try and get the dog to pay attention to the plant and not you? Like what? I mean, I know this works, but like, wh- how, how, <laughs> how does this work? <laughs> we see Ed Rooney go around the house. We don't see anything else yet, but then we flip to uh, Jeannie pulling up and getting out of her car. You see her looking at something in the distance and just go, Jesus. And what is she looking at? It is a water tower that says, Save Ferris. Ferris. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
And it's funny because they always seem to be connected, right? Like something to do with the Save Ferris stuff and, and Genie. It's always those interactions that we see. And it's kind of this this sort of play and dig on her relationship with her brother mm-hmm. and partly her relationship with her parents and like how she is you know envious or at least jealous of how they the difference between how they treat him versus how they treat her although she still got a car even though he ended up with an eight thousand dollar synthesizer (laughs) (laughs) so then we flip back to ed rooney who's peeking over the fence again he's like sleep tight pooch and then we see the dog lying unconscious on the ground and the potted flower plant all around him so yes he knocked the dog unconscious yes this would instantly make this person hated by my wife there's very very few characters that can get away with hurting dogs like if you want to show somebody as evil in a movie or tv show the quickest easiest way to do it is not to show them hurting a person it's to show them hurting a dog especially a an okay you know not an attack dog the only the only the only character i've seen being able to get away with it is batman (laughs) in the dark night they sick those dogs on him and he beats those dogs up and everybody's okay with it but that's the only time (laughs) i've ever seen anybody get away with it (laughs) you see genie pull up in front of the bueller house and ed rooney hears Someone pull up. Jeannie goes inside. Ed pokes his head around the corner. Jeannie's running up the stairs. She kicks open the door. And she kicks open the door. And the dummy comes flying up. Right. Ferris Bueller's room. Because she wants to prove to herself that he's not actually sick. Right. Kicks open the freaking door. <laughs> and it's like, I knew it. Because the dummy flies straight up. So it's sitting straight up in bed. The, the blanket's off of it now. And it's it's the dummy. <laughs> And she just screams, I knew it. <laughs> it really shows you how well he threaded the needle on that. Like, like he knew that his mom was only going to open the door so far. Yes, it was a gamble and he lucked out like he does through the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Rooney, he heard someone walk in the door. So what does he do? He tests the door and opens the door. Yeah, turns out it was unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> And then you see Jeannie on the phone asking where her mother is. So this is a back and forth, back and forth. Basically, Jeannie's on the phone trying to figure out where her mother is. Can you tell her when she's going to get back in the office? Can you tell her how to get in touch with her? And she, you know, was like, you know, do you know anything? Slams and hangs up the phone. Yeah, she's desperately trying to rat her brother out. And she's being stalled in that opportunity. Because <laughs> she knows there's a time limit, right? At some point, Ferris is going to come back. And she's going to lose this opportunity she's got. Because she's got him red-handed. Right. So she's desperately trying to get a hold of her mother and it's failing and she's getting pissed off <laughs> she hears the front door and she hears somebody coming inside so she goes downstairs to find out who's in the house and of course it's ed rooney <laughs> thinking that it was ferris just coming back home Jeannie's like slowly quietly stalks her way down to the kitchen and she thinks it's her brother because that's what she's expecting <laughs> and of course ed rooney thinks he hears Ferris and it's really Jeannie and they come to a head point on one side of the kitchen they both jump out at each other and Jeannie screams and kicks him like repeatedly kicks him in the face (laughs) and then starts running scared back up to her room (laughs) which is an impressive feat I don't know if you've ever kicked anybody in the face you gotta get your foot up pretty high (laughs) (laughs) somewhere between five and six feet you know they they kick somebody in the face so uh, doing it in rapid succession pretty impressive there what she sees is there's an intruder in my house 
who's all scraggly looking and, you know, beat up by a dog <laughs> instead of my brother. And so she reacts as any person probably would and should and kicks him in the face. <laughs> he falls back onto the floor unconscious. Jeannie runs up scared up to her room. And then we see uh, Ed Rooney's car getting a ticket. <laughs> yes, because, you know, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Parking in front of a hydrant. Yeah, yeah. What a jacket. <laughs> now we go back into the city, back to the garage. And Cameron's, you know, just impressed and praising in in a sort of way. Ferris Bueller and all of his antics saying, you're crazy, man. You're absolutely crazy. It's sort of like this lighthearted, jovial, ah, I can't believe we got away with that. That was... You know, this day really was a lot of fun, and this was really cool, and, you know. And as that's going on, behind them and to the right, you see the car coming back into the garage, and the one guy getting out, and the other guy's about to pull it around. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, wow, that was fast. And the guy's like, see, I took great care of it. Not a scratch. <laughs> Not a scratch. <laughs> the other guy discreetly gets out of the car and walks off before he brings it around. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Cameron gives the guy like another fiver. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they start on down the road going back. And the two guys are like, you know, they're, they're happy. They're like, we got away with that, man. We yeah. Gotta do this again. <laughs> like high fiving or, yeah, we got to do that again. <laughs> Which, you know, I always wonder about that. We take a quick look back at Rooney's car and now it's got like five or six tickets in front of it because he's not moved it fast enough. So we assume that he's been slowly getting ticketed as the as his attempts to enter the house have gone on. <laughs> right. And that also he's been passed out for some extended amount of time. <laughs> because... <laughs> And while that's going on, Jeannie's on the phone with the police trying to convince him that someone broke into her house, which is funny because someone did. <laughs> I mean, although he technically didn't break in, he is trespassing. <laughs> but they're not having any, any of it from Jeannie, which uh, I don't expect that to be a, like a real thing. <laughs> Well, you know, and she's like trying to tell him, I'm like, I'm very cute and I'm very alone and I'm very protective of my body. Yes. <laughs> and I don't want it killed. I need help. <laughs> and of course, she hangs up with them angrily. Yeah. <laughs> and then we see Edward's car getting towed. <laughs> He's finally awake, and then he hears Jeannie's voice on the intercom saying, I just called the police. <laughs> yeah. What else does Jeannie say? She, she makes a bunch of other threats, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, that she has her father's gun. That's right. <laughs> and a scorching case of herpes. Of herpes, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just like, oh, man. <laughs> so, so everybody's like, oh, i got to get out of here. And as he's... As he's trying to rush out the door, you see his wallet fall on, on the kitchen floor. And then he is trying to... He's, he's feebly trying to stop them from towing it. Of course, in his attempt, he tries to get into the car through the passenger door. And because he's not as fast as the tow truck, he gets the key stuck in the car door. <laughs> so now the car is being towed away with the with keys. With the keys in the door. <laughs> <laughs> he's out of wallet. He's at his keys. <laughs> <laughs> and then poor poor Cameron we go back to Ferris and the gang and poor Cameron and he's finally he's finally relaxed he's like hey this all worked out great you know those guys were nice and I was worried about nothing and you see Ferris Bueller look down and he goes hey uh, Cameron how many miles were on the car when we when we dropped it off 126 and halfway between three and four tenths yeah yep. <laughs> 
and you see uh, Ferris give this anguished look, like, ow, look, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and Cameron's like, why? What does it read now? How many, how many miles are on it now? <laughs> it's like 301 miles and seven tenths. That's right. Yeah, 301 miles. So they drove the piss out of that car. <laughs> like, you know, 100 and something odd miles. They drove all around Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Ferris breaks the fourth wall and goes, here's where Cameron goes berserk. <laughs> and you hear this, ah, like in a black screen and it pulls away. It's just Cameron's face screaming and it's like the whole city can hear him. Now it's pictures around the city with him going, him screaming, you know, yep. as if he's screaming so loud, the whole city, the city can, can hear him. Yeah. Which is a, a trope that gets used a lot. And I'm going to use the word iconic because I don't think I've used it yet, this recording. So yet another iconic scene. <laughs> <laughs> So it will leave us with Cameron finding out the bad news about the car. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pat the Fat Man. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man. Stay classy. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Kool-Aid, man. I please have people stop saying oh no in my courtroom because damn Kool-Aid man is just going to keep showing up.